We are coming to chapter 3 of John's Gospel today. Would you turn there with me this morning? Chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just in case you didn't know, right? Uh, the fourth Gospel in the New Testament. John chapter 3 this morning. We come to the story of Nicodemus. And I'd like to read the first 15 verses this morning. Don't get your hopes up. We're not taking off all 15 verses this morning. Um, uh, we're, I, I struggled a little bit with this passage this, this week. I, I looked at these 15 verses and I thought, how can I separate them? And then as I began to study, it's like, how can I teach them all? Um, so um, those of you who, who teach and, and preach and things will understand the struggle there. But I, I want to read these 15 verses because there's, there's a unit here. There's a story that's going on here. There's an exchange between Nicodemus and Jesus I want you to see. And then, Lord willing, we're going to come back to this passage next week and pick up where we left off and kind of keep going through the flow. But um, there's some powerful truths here for us this morning in the first four verses that we're going to come back to and look at. But I want to begin by reading the first 15 verses. I know when you hear me say 15 verses, you say, wow, that's amazing. pastor's only going to preach on, or he's, he's actually going to preach more than two or three verses at a time. No, I'm not. Um, we're going to do four, <laughs> but we're going to read these 15. So follow along with me, would you, as I read from the English Standard Version this morning, verse 1 of chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let me just say to you this morning, and I just remind you of this from our time together last week, that Jesus knows just what you need. You know that? Jesus knows just what you need. This truth is, is so comforting and so reassuring to me that Jesus knows especially just how I needed to be saved from my sin and the only way that that was possible. 
just how you need to be saved from your sins and the only way that's possible, by His sacrifice, by the, by the crucifixion of His body, by the shedding of His blood, by His conquering the grave, by rising from the dead on the third day. Amen? Jesus knows what you need. And we get a reminder here as we come to chapter 3 that Jesus knows what you need. We noted it last week in the closing verses of chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 say, look back at chapter 2, because He knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for He Himself knew what was in man. Jesus knew. Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. He knew, he knew then. He knows now what is in the heart of man. What makes up the thinking. What, what makes up the emotions. The, the heart of man. The understanding of man and their intentions. And, and one thing is clear as we enter chapter 3 today. It's that Jesus knows just what you need. We'll see it in the exchange with Nicodemus. This is how I know he knows what you and I need because he knows what Nicodemus needed. He knows just what Nicodemus needed. He knows that because he knows what's in the heart of man as we noted there at the end of chapter 2. Now, what was it Nicodemus needed? What was it he needed? As we come to chapter 3, we find out very soon what he needed was to be born again. He needed to be born again. Jesus tells him so. As we come to chapter 3, we find that this is actually a continuation of the train of thought that we saw last week at the end of chapter 2. So it's not hard to tie these two together. And just a Bible study note. Just remember uh, that as you read the Bible, the chapter headings, the chapter numbers are actually after the fact. They didn't come with the original writings, okay? The original inspiration of the Holy Spirit did not give the chapter breaks, okay? So these are are, are um, people with good intentions helping us be able to mark our place and find our place. And in this case, the break is kind of awkward between 2 and 3, chapter 2 and 3. Now, in showing us Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus to inquire of him, the Apostle John is kind of giving us an example of what we talked about last week at the end of chapter 2. The Apostle John's coming and saying, now, you know, there were people who who had an interest in Jesus, but they really weren't believing in Him. They were looking at the signs, but they weren't seeing the Savior. And they were looking at the, the miracles, but they weren't believing in the Messiah, right? They, they, they were just kind of looking at the man and, and, and seeing His miracles, but not believing in Him as their Messiah. And Jesus knew their hearts, and He did not entrust Himself to them because they truly weren't entrusting themselves to Him. And then we come to chapter 3, and He says, here's an example. Here's one who's like this, coming to Jesus. And we see it in Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one who comes to inquire of Jesus, and the Apostle John is giving us an example of those that we saw at the end of chapter 2 last time who saw Jesus' miracles, and they were moved by those miracles. And that might, be a, that might be a place to start in your faith, but that is not enough to say, wow, look at those miracles. You can't stop there. It can't be just belief in Jesus' miracles. You've got to believe in the man, Jesus Christ, and His finished work for you and His conquering of sin and death in the grave by raising from the dead on the third day. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You can't just believe in His signs, which is what some people were doing. And we kind of see that in this man, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus. There were these people who, because of the signs they saw Jesus performing, believed that Jesus was a man of great importance. They believed that He was somebody that they should probably pay attention to and maybe even follow for a time. 
but they weren't committing themselves to him. They were not interested in following him. When things got difficult, many fell away. Jesus knew that. He knew their hearts. Jesus knew that there was not true belief in their hearts. And so he did not entrust himself to them. And they were because they were only drawn to his miracles. And in Nicodemus, we have an example of one who was like that. It's seen in the fact that he comes to Jesus talking about the signs, doesn't he? Did you notice that in verse 2? He came to Jesus in verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. How does he know? He says, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, look, you know, if you heal, if you saw somebody healed by someone, right, and you saw somebody casting out demons, you would say, hmm, that's interesting. Probably not. You go, whoa, that's remarkable. Let's follow this guy and find out what's going on with him, right? And people were going, this is interesting. This is un- unbelievable. This is interesting. This is a person of importance. We better find out who this person is. They were being drawn by the signs, and this man Nicodemus has seen some of the signs. So it's apparent Nicodemus has been around to take a look. Maybe he was at the temple. He was likely, very likely at the temple when Jesus was cleansing the temple. We talked about a couple weeks ago. And he was aware of the miracles that Jesus had been performing. So who's this Nicodemus fellow? Well, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler of the Jews, a part of this Jew, Jewish ruling class, the Sanhedrin. And even Jesus acknowledges that he is a man of uh, a well-known teacher, a man of great renown, a great teacher. In verse 10, he points to that. And as the account begins, we find him coming to Jesus at night. Now, some have you know made a big deal of that. He's coming at night. You know, he's coming under cover of darkness. Maybe he was. We really don't know. Some think that. There might have just been, and this is very likely, he was a busy guy. And it was, you know, the time that he had. And it was a good time to catch Jesus with fewer people around where he could spend some time talking to him. Some uninterrupted time. Probably more of that than, than his covert cover of darkness idea, but we don't know that. But know what's most interesting about this exchange is this. As it begins in verse 2, Verse 2 says that Nicodemus came to Jesus saying, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. You've come from God. Now that's an interesting statement. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is, is with him. That's an interesting statement too. Nicodemus, again, it's, he's like those that we saw at the end of chapter 2 who aren't totally convinced about who Jesus is because he's saying, okay, you've got to be, you, you have to have come from God and you have to have God with you in some way. But he's really not nailing down Jesus Christ as the Messiah. He doesn't, he doesn't have it yet. He doesn't get it. He's seeing the thing. He's observing or making him think. You know, there's something very special about him. And we would say the same thing if we saw someone do what Jesus did. We would go, whoa, pay attention to this guy. He's someone special. That's kind of what was happening with Nicodemus. And even though Nicodemus is a man of great wisdom, Jesus' response to him shows that he was missing something. And we can see it even in what Nicodemus says. He's missing something. He doesn't get that Jesus is the Messiah. 
He doesn't get that Jesus is the Savior. Nicodemus was like those who were seeing Jesus' signs, but they were were not seeing him for who he is. Nicodemus didn't see Jesus for who he is. Look at verse 2 again. He says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. He begins there with Rabbi. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He acknowledges that Jesus is a... What he's saying is, I acknowledge you as a teacher. It's like from one rabbi to another, in effect. Rabbi. It's a polite way to address Jesus. And even implied here is even that Jesus is a remarkable teacher because no one like this could exist unless come from God. But note that missing in this exchange is any recognition. Again, there's no recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. Not even... Not even a recognition of him as a prophet. Just a great teacher. Rabbi. So in effect, he too is coming, as we've seen others come, to inquire of Jesus. Who, just who is this man? Who is he? Let's see if he can tell us a little bit more about himself. And though this isn't a question at the beginning of Chapter 3, it is, in effect, a question. He's, he's inquiring of Jesus. He wants Jesus to tell him more so he can make a judgment about who this man is. But note Jesus' response in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I think when we're first introduced to this passage, we come to that and we go, where did that come from? You go, where did that come from? What is this to see the kingdom of God? And and what does that mean? And that's exactly what Nicodemus was thinking, right? Because we see it in verse 4. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Do you notice that Jesus stopped him dead in his tracks and and made him think about what he really needed to think about? Because Jesus, Jesus says, hey, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He's saying, look, you can't know me. Unless you're born again. You can't see me truly and understand who I am unless you're born again. How can a man be born again, says Nicodemus, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course, he's just not thinking that that's possible. He knows it's not possible. So he's going, this can't be the way to be born again. So what is the way to be born again? He's puzzled by Jesus' statement. And Jesus knows what's going on in his heart. Jesus knows what's going on in the heart of Nicodemus. He knows just what he needs. He knows what he needs to hear. He knows how he needs to be challenged. Because Nicodemus thinks he has Jesus all figured out. He's a he's some great rabbi. You know, he's got to become from God somehow, and God has to have some part in him. So Jesus makes it very clear that Nicodemus really doesn't know him. He makes a statement that causes Nicodemus to stop dead in his tracks and think. Jesus is saying. You think you know me, Nicodemus, but you you really don't know me because to really see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. To really know me, you must be born again. So what is this to see the kingdom of God? And why does Nicodemus have to be born again to see it? I think it helps us to think about it this way. Think about seeing the kingdom of God this way. Seeing the kingdom of God is really being a part of the kingdom of God. If you, if, if you want to see God's kingdom, you have to be a part of God's kingdom. You, you, if you're a part of God's kingdom, you see God's kingdom. So seeing the kingdom of God is really becoming a part of entering the kingdom of God. And to see the kingdom of God is to be a part of that kingdom. 
that's God's. And, and Jesus makes it clear that you're not a part of the kingdom of God unless something happens to you. What is it? He says, you've got to be born again. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God unless a radical transformation takes place. You have to be born again. Now, how can that be? What is this being born again? And here's what we need to understand about being born again because people often identify being born again with the wrong things. For instance, you could be born into a family with Christian parents. And some people think, my, pe- my parents took me to church. My parents seem to be Christian people. If I'm born into a Christian family, then I too must be a Christian. You may, you may even, and I've met folks like this, who on, at first glance, they have Christian lingo, right? Christianese, right? They can speak Christianese. They sound like Christians. And the more you get to know them, the more you go, what? You know what? They just sound like Christians. They don't, I don't think they're believers. They, they're, they kind of betraying themselves. They sound like Christians. You may sound like a Christian, but that's not being born again. How about a Bible? You know, lots of people in this world own Bibles. Even people read Bibles who aren't truly followers of Christ. Reading a Bible does not make you a born-again believer, does it? How about how about going to church? I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here to hear God's Word. I'm, I'm glad you're here to worship together in the Word, to worship together in song. But I hope you're not coming because you think you're coming to church has saved you. Because it has not. Right? Going to church does not make you a born-again believer. You can look like a Christian. You can sound like a Christian. You can dress like a Christian, however Christians dress. Because yeah. I don't know where the dress code is. But there is a, the, in the Bible it says be, you know, you know, be, um, um, be dressed appropriately. Right? Be dressed appropriately. So we know as believers... We have an appropriate way of dressing, right? As a follower of Christ, you go out into the community and you just don't wear certain things, right? I don't know. And I'm not into making lists about telling you what to wear, what not to wear. But God's Word is very clear that we ought to be dressed appropriately in a way that's Christ-honoring, right? So you could try to do that. You could dress as a Christian. Does that save you? You could look like a Christian. And that doesn't save you. That doesn't make you born again. So being born into a family with parents that you believe are Christians doesn't make you a believer. Talking like a Christian doesn't make you a believer. Dressing like one doesn't make you... Carrying a Bible doesn't make you a believer. Going to church doesn't make you a believer. And and we could go on and on with, with lists, right, of things that don't make you a believer. The only thing that makes you a Christ follower is being born again. And the only way to be born again is to believe in Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for you, and His rising from the dead on the third day for your justification so that you might be born again. The only way to be born again is to believe in the man, Jesus Christ, and His finished work on the cross for you. And that is called regeneration. That is being born again. And that regeneration is only by the work of the Spirit of God. you know that? It is only by the work of the Spirit of God. I can't make you be born again. I can't convince you to be born again. It has to happen by the Spirit working in you, changing your will from the one of the old nature that's hostile to God to one that yields to God. And the Holy Spirit does that. 
Granted, the Holy Spirit uses believers to preach the gospel, to tell you about the gospel, but the Holy Spirit takes that word and changes your thinking about your condition because before the Holy Spirit changes your thinking about your death, where you're living, actually, you know, you're, you're the living dead people before Christ. Before the Holy Spirit changes your attitude about where you live in death, you don't know you need Christ. And when the Holy Spirit changes your thinking, then you understand that you need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. And then you're born again. Just let me pause here for a moment. Do you understand how gracious God is to you to change your heart so that you know you need a Savior to help you understand that you're a sinner who's dead in his trespasses and sins and cannot see the kingdom without being born again? And so he changes your attitude about your spiritual deadness. Even belief is not yours until the Holy Spirit brings belief to your heart. It's all a work of God. Jesus points to this truth when he tells Nicodemus in verse 5 that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse 6, because I'm getting ahead of myself, we're going to come back to this next week, but in verse 6, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And then in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Philippians 2.13 says it this way, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. If you are God's child, do you realize how blessed you are by God to have faith, to believe? It is a work of the Spirit. We're going to come back to that thought next week, Lord willing, beginning in verse 5, because there are some deep and wonderful truths here that we dare not miss. And I want to dwell on them a bit more next time. But just to say, you you need to know how, how blessed you are to have a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you trust in Him, He gave you a new heart to think that way. He gave you a new mind to think that way. He changed your thinking about your spiritual deadness because you are hostile to God. You are enemies of God before Christ changed your heart and mind. But let me come back to the point that we see Jesus making here in these first few verses of chapter 3. Nicodemus was intrigued with Jesus. I've got to know more about this man. I've got to inquire of him. Maybe he'll tell me more about himself. He was intrigued with Jesus and thought he had a handle on who Jesus was and he wanted to know more, so he came inquiring of Christ. But Jesus, knowing what Nicodemus needs and knowing what all mankind needs, gets right to the heart of the matter and it's that you must be born again. And God inspired John to write his Gospel so that we would be reminded of this truth also. So that sinners would repent and believe in Jesus Christ because they learn that they must be born again to see the kingdom of God, to be a part of God's kingdom. What does it mean to be born again? I've kind of hinted at it already. I've given you the answer already. But being born again means spiritual, spiritual transformation. It means regeneration. Your understanding of your need to be born again is going to shape whether you truly understand your need for Christ. You need to know that being born again is being regenerated. It's what Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 speaks of when we're told that as believers He has delivered us 
He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Delivered and transferred. And, and if, if we could say so, it's, it's another way of explaining regenerated or being born again. You need to be delivered, don't you? Because you're in spiritual deadness. Just like I said a moment ago, you're a walking dead people without Christ. And we need to be transferred from death to life. We need to be delivered from death to life. And it happens when we believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. It's such an important truth. Such an important thought for us to comprehend and believe because your understanding of your need for a Savior under, uh, it hinges on whether you're not, you realize you need to be born again. You need to be transferred. You need to be transformed and regenerated. So many people that you and I meet, when they hear the Gospel, they say, well, I'm not sure I need that. I'm a pretty good person. They don't see that they're spiritually dead. They don't see that they spiritually need to be transferred from death to life and born again. Whether or not you understand that is, is going to help you see your need for Jesus Christ. And once you do see that and believe that, and you put your trust and hope in Jesus Christ, that you can't be born again without faith in Christ, then you put your trust in Him, and then, and then it makes sharing the love of Christ with others very different. If you understand that people are walking dead people in their sins and need to be transformed and transferred and regenerated and born again, you will share the Gospel with them because they are already dead in their sins and you want them to be born again. This is so important. Of regeneration, of being born again, regeneration, Charles Spurgeon spoke saying, it is one of absolute and vital importance. It is the hinge of the Gospel. It is the point upon which most Christians are agreed, yes, all who are Christians in sincerity and truth. It is a subject which lies at the very basis of salvation. It is the very groundwork of our hopes for heaven. And as we ought to be very careful of the basement of our structure, so should we be very diligent to take heed that we are really born again and that we have made sure work of it for eternity. It is of critical importance that you understand today that you must be born again. You must be regenerated. You must be spiritually transformed by God's Spirit taking up residence in your soul. And that is only yours by faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross for you. My brother uh, Nathan and his family were with us for a couple of days this past week, and um, he and I were talking about this passage that I was preparing to preach on this morning. And First thing to his mind, he told me that every time he thinks of this passage and Jesus' statement that you must be born again, he thinks of his wife's late grandfather. He told me that uh, his wife's late grandfather spent nearly his entire life as a churchgoer. Faithfully. Hardly anyone more faithful in going to church. He was a faithful church attender. But he did not know Christ. He had never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. 
until very late in life. And even, even after all those years of faithful church attendance, he finally realized this truth that we're talking about this morning, that he needed to be born again, that he needed to be regenerated spiritually and transferred from the kingdom of darkness to light. It wasn't his church going that saved him. It dawned on him. And it was remarkable, Nathan said, that after trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so so thoroughly convinced of his conversion, of his being born again, was he that that as his life was slipping away and his ability to communicate with his family was almost gone, the one thing he could say when his family would come to visit him was, born again, born again. How precious. Wouldn't that be precious to be the last words on your lips before you meet Jesus? Born again. Born again. Are you born again? As Spurgeon says, have you made sure work of it for eternity? Jesus came and spoke to Nicodemus and shared the truth with him because he knew he desperately needed to hear the truth and to know what he needed to do to be saved, and that was to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be born again. And if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, I implore you to trust in Jesus Christ today and be born again. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. You know, we often... We often say you've got to pray a prayer to be saved. God knows your heart. You know that? God knows your heart. Yes, your belief in Jesus and your repentance of sin can best be expressed as you communicate with God through prayer, but He knows your heart. Have you repented in your heart? Have you repented of sin and believed in Jesus Christ? with a desire to turn from that sin and be regenerated as Jesus saves you from your sin. If you have not, trust in Him today. Don't put it off another day. I would love to talk with you about that. If you want someone to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. But you you don't need me to pray with you to be saved today. Do not put it off another day if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again. You will not see the kingdom of God without being born again. And you desperately need to see the kingdom of God. Trust God's word on that. And if you're a follower of Christ today, I hope you're greatly encouraged by the faith that God has given you to believe in Jesus Christ and the saving that He has given you you to save you from your sins, save you from the punishment of your sins. Be grateful. Be Great, grateful and thankful, thanks filled and overflowing with gratitude so much so that you can't keep this truth to yourselves and yet you share it with those you know need Christ. Share the love of Christ with them. Do not keep this being born again to yourself as a follower of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on our behalf on Calvary, yielding to You, Father, and Your will, that Your will would be done. God, I'm so grateful.
God, I pray that Your people would be forever grateful. So grateful that we we dare not keep these truths to ourselves, but we share them with people who are dead in their trespasses and sins and in need of being born again and regenerated and saved. God, I pray that there are those this morning who have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this morning that they would turn to You in repentance and belief in Jesus Christ, being reassured that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, they can be and will be forgiven of their sins when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that You would make Yourself clearly known to those who are resisting You and that You would give them the faith to believe. And God, I pray that You would strengthen Your people to share that same love with, with their neighbors and with their co-workers and with their family members for Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.